Let's everybody worship the Lord. Let's everybody worship the Lord. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, folks. Let's take a little while and really praise the Lord. Let's everybody praise him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. There are so many things that I could say tonight in introductory remarks, but I don't want to take much time. I do want to say as a sponsor that I appreciate every preacher, every preacher's wife, every saint of God, that has come to PSR Convention 91, and it's because of you that it has been a success. And I think speaking spiritually, which is the most important of all things, that we can say it has been and is being a success. And we thank you for being here. We sincerely do. We don't feel as though that you owe us any sort of loyalties but you have just come because you're hungry for the things of God and your presence here and your participation and your giving and your worship and your praying oh, has made this a blessed time around here and then I want to say as a participant not as a sponsor but as a participant in PSR convention I want to say to every preacher who has come before me Thank you so much. I will not begin to name names nor make references to messages because all of them have been so powerful. I can't explain how deeply I have been moved and how wonderfully God has worked in my heart through the ministry of these preachers as they have come and ministered one after the other. It has been so glorious. I said it has been so glorious. It has been so glorious. The glory of the Lord has been here amongst us. We have shouted, we have danced, we have run, we have laughed, we have cried, we have lingered in the presence of the Lord. Surely these few days have been a memorial time here at this convention. I don't know why these men assign me this responsibility of preaching last, but uh, this is not the first time. You cannot imagine what it's like to sit here all week long and hear all these preachers and know you've got to be the last one. They have preached all over my message. It has footprints all over it. They have walked all over it. And so I can, I, I thought today as I was sort of reviewing these thoughts, 
I thought, well, I'll, when I get to this point, I'll say like so-and-so said the other day or like so-and-so said last night or like so. And I thought I'd make a reference to everybody as they spoke and touched on these areas. And then pretty soon I, I realized that that's what I'd be doing most of the evening. And so I decided to pretend as though no one else has preached. And just trust you to believe that I didn't get it from them. <laughs> but if you want to think I got it from them, that's okay. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read tonight from 1 Corinthians. I'd like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And then we're going to read also, we'll read first of all from 2 Timothy, the third chapter. We'll read one verse and then go to 1 Corinthians 10. We used to sing an old song, coming down, down, down. The glory of the Lord is coming down. When the saints begin to pray for the Lord to have his way, then the glory of the Lord is coming down. I know it's the last night and we're all weary in our bodies and weary in our minds. And uh, we've heard all kinds of preaching but I would hope that those of you are, who are here tonight would pray with me that the glory of the Lord would come down tonight. If we'll pray for the Lord to have his way, then the glory of the Lord would come down. I'd like for some of you to march out of here with brand new faith tonight. I'd like for some of you to march out of here with brand new vision tonight. I would like for some of you to walk out of here with confidence in God like you haven't ever known and assurance that this message is right and true and that it still works. I want the glory of God to come in this place. Now, Brother Morton said last night he doesn't have to have your help, and I don't either. But I'll tell you one thing, it works a whole lot better if you'll preach with me. Don't sit there and leave it in my lap tonight. Let's let God do a work in this place. I want all the compression you can take out of these monitors. Take it out as far as you can. Give me what you can give me. And we want to, we want to not have any kind of hindrances here tonight. First, our 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse number 8. Now as Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Let me read the first portion of that again. Now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, verse number one, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did eat, all eat the same spiritual meat? And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed him, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. 
Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after the evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed as serpents. Neither murmur you as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for our ensamples. Would you read that part with me of verse 11? Now all these things happen unto them for our ensamples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Just a couple of verses I'd like to note again. Verse number two. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse number 11. All these ha things happen unto them for our, for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. By the help of the Lord tonight, I want to speak to you on simple subject, and yet because it is so much chosen of God, it is His gospel, it is profound. I want to preach when Moses and Aaron met Jannies and Jambres. When Moses and Aaron met Jannies and Jambres. Would you really pray that the Holy Ghost would do a work in this place tonight? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, for all that you've done. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that you would touch us. Let your mighty power and glory fill this house. We ask for your unction and anointing. We ask for wisdom and words. We pray, oh God, for clarity of thought. We pray, oh God, that somehow your word would go forth as an arrow and pierce the heart of all who hear. We pray, oh God, that faith would rise in our spirits. We pray, oh God, that your glory would fill this place. And oh God, when we leave here, somehow we can say, God, that, that we have been blessed and touched and helped by your spirit. We depend on you. We trust in you. Our confidence is in you and in you alone tonight. We ask you all of these things in your wonderful name, Jesus. Everybody say in Jesus' name. No, come on, everybody say in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I understand tonight to whom I am preaching. I am not preaching to a congregation of Trinitarians. I'm preaching to a house full of one God, Holy Ghost filled, Jesus name baptized, holiness loving children of God. Now perhaps, and I say only perhaps, if I were addressing a congregation of Trinitarians, I may use different tactics. I say perhaps because Lately, I have been considering 
our present methods and comparing them to the methods of preachers some time ago. Amen. And I have been analyzing the results. You see, we have adopted the philosophy that when we deal with people who do not believe this message, we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I am convinced that wisdom always has its place. And it's proper and in order to use wisdom. Nevertheless, I, I can remember a time when, when it was not unusual in a meeting of this sort for those who believed in the Trinitarian doctrine to be very, very uncomfortable. Our preachers, as they preach this oneness message and this new, this new birth gospel, were not beyond challenging those who believed in three separate and distinct personalities within the Godhead. They didn't sneak up on them. They didn't come up on them around behind the bush somewhere. They were very direct and seemingly confrontational in their delivery. But we have chosen to be a little more suave and careful and discreet. I am wondering, what I am wondering is are we baptizing as many of them now in Jesus' name as we did using the previous tactics? I know we don't want to hurt their feelings, but Elder Bachman, the object is to get them baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we hurt their feelings in the process, maybe it's worth it. Now, I don't want you young pre preachers and new converts to go out of here just looking for a Trinitarian and tell them as quickly as you can that uh, if you don't get baptized in Jesus' name, you're going to go to hell. But I do think, I do think it is an issue. And I think it's probably more an issue today than it ever has been before. And I'm preaching to a bunch of people tonight that need to believe deeply. They need to believe deeply that there is still one gospel and it is the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it is exemplified in our lives by repentance what a baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost infilling with the evidence of preaching in other tongues I said we need to believe it deeply In 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, the Apostle Paul chose this season in Israel's history. He chose it by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to teach us some spiritual lessons. If you will read it, and I did read it in your hearing, these things were actually ordained of God to happen so that they might symbolize Simplify and teach to us spiritual lessons we need to understand. And by the Spirit, 
He chose this particular season in Israel's history where that they were in the land of Egypt in bondage. And Moses went there with the message of deliverance and led them forth from Egypt and into the Canaan land. We will be focusing most of our attention tonight on the events that transpired from the time Moses arrived in Egypt to lead them out of bondage till the time they crossed through the Red Sea. Now I know that the next few facts that I am going to point out to you are very elementary. And uh, most all of you are Bible scholars. And uh, this is the rehearsal uh, of things you know full well. But bear with me for just a few moments for the sake of our message tonight. There are some very obvious parallels between Israel and the events that transpired in that season of Israel's history and this New Testament age. As a matter of fact, when he talked about us upon whom the ends of the world will come, he was talking about the New Testament age. That's us. That's the Holy Ghost dispensation. Amen. And he said these things happened to them for our ensamples. As you study that period of time in Israel's history, you need to always remember that Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents the world. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about the world in the sense of humanity like John 3.16, where God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We're not talking about humanity. We're talking about the world as John wrote about it in his epistles when he said, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're talking about the world system. We're talking about the world's values. We're talking about the world's philosophy. We're talking about what the world thinks is right. That's what Egypt represents. Pharaoh represents the devil. Pharaoh represents the devil. He is the one that held Israel in bondage. He was their oppressor. He was the one that made them servants and slaves and, and held them captive. He represents the devil. Satan had the serpent. Moses and Aaron represent God's messengers of deliverance. Now I told you I know this is simple so far. You stay with me tonight. Moses and Aaron represent God's messengers of deliverance. Look at the person next to you and say Moses and Aaron represent God's messengers of deliverance. Moses and Aaron had the message of deliverance. If you want to know who they represent, they represent us. They represent the preachers on these platforms. They represent the saints that are sitting in those seats out there tonight. Well, bless your heart, this is not just another church convention. This is a place where people have gathered who know how to get you out of the land of sin. 
And if you listen to them, they'll tell you how to get out. They are God's messengers of deliverance. Dear God, I thought you believed we had the message of deliverance. I thought you believed Acts 2.38 was the way to get out of sin. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. We're going to have to work on this. We need to have church around here tonight. Come on, clap your hands. Your doctrine is not some little easy believism. Your doctrine is not concocted somewhere in the minds of man. The doctrine and the experience that you have is the God-ordained message that breaks the shackles of sin and brings men and women out of darkness and sets them free. This is the message of deliverance. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, as they left Egypt, it is important to note the way they got out of Egypt, they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Isn't that simple? The way out of Egypt was they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. That was the path, the God-chosen process, the God-chosen avenue whereby those who were in Egypt's bondage would leave the land of their bondage and experience deliverance. And in case you need to know what that represents, baptism in the sea represents baptism in water. And there is only one scriptural way to be baptized in water. If somebody told you you were baptized and spoke titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost over you, when you went down into the water, you were not baptized. The only way any New Testament Christian got baptized was when a man of God called, invoked the name of Jesus Christ over them in baptism. There is no other scriptural baptism. If you believe that, clap your hands and give God praise. If you really believe it, clap your hands and give God praise. Everybody say hallelujah. You may be seated. Baptism in the cloud was the baptism of the Spirit. Baptism of the cloud represented baptism in the Holy Ghost. And everybody in the New Testament, and everybody in 1991, and everybody since New Testament days uh, or scriptural times uh, until 1991 that ever got the Holy Ghost baptism uh, spoke in other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. 
Do you understand how clear this is? Do you understand how simple it is? You can't get out of Egypt any other way. You can't leave Egypt any other way except baptism in the cloud and baptism in the sea. There is no other way out of Egypt. If you tried to get out of Egypt some other way, you're still in Egypt. If you tried to get deliverance some other way, you're still in the bondage of Egypt. You may be seated. The next point, before we proceed, I want you to understand tonight, God's purpose in this entire scenario, God's purpose, you hear me, the reason for it all was to get his people out of Egypt. That was the purpose of it all. It wasn't an accident, I don't think, that Moses said, we just want to go three days. You see, leaving Egypt represented repentance or the death. But he said, we'll go out here three days and we're going to get baptized in water and then the cloud, we're going to be resurrected three days later. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you cannot get out of Egypt except by repentance of sins, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost in filling. And the whole purpose of Calvary, the whole purpose of our God coming in human flesh to this world as a man living and died on Calvary's cross was to get a bunch of folks out of Egypt. That is the purpose of it all. It's not complex. It's not hard to figure out. It's simple. God wants you out of this world system. God wants you out of sin. And he said, I'll make a way for you to get out. You follow the message of deliverance. You leave Egypt. You pass through the water. And you're baptized in the sea and the cloud. That's how you get out. Clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you for it tonight. I've got to help my uh, help. You got to help me here tonight. I, I'm gonna wear myself out before I cover enough territory. I'm not as young as I used to be. My God, I don't have as much steam. is not an alternative. 
It's not a choice. It's not a spare tire. I have come to tell you tonight that leaving Egypt is the crux of the matter. Leaving Egypt is not a part of the gospel. Leaving Egypt is the gospel. If you think you hear too much separation preaching and PSR conviction, you misunderstand. I hear people say, oh, why don't they just stick with the gospel? I'm telling you tonight, this is the gospel. Leaving Egypt and how to get out of Egypt. Leaving the world and how to get out of the world is the gospel. That's the crux of the matter. Clap your hands some more. not a sideline doctrine it's not an optional message it is the message it's the purpose of Calvary praise God you can be seated amen praise the Lord I tell you what I can't help myself brother Morton when you got all of your message last night was just sent from God and blessed us all but I'm telling you, when you got on that doctrine part, my spirit left within me. I've had the Holy Ghost 30 years now. I've been preaching more years than I didn't preach. I wasn't even a normal teenager. I didn't know how it would be. My mom and dad had to drive me to preach my first meetings. This is all I've ever known. But I want you to know, Acts 238 has not got old to me. It has not lost its shine. It's not less precious tonight than it ever was. I love it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet because it's the gospel. It is the way of deliverance. It's God's chosen method to get me free from sin and the shackles of this world. If you love it, thank God for it tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody already said it, but forget that they did. My mind is blown. If you can excuse the harshness, I don't know, I'll try to live up to my reputation, whatever Brother Walden called me today. I don't see myself that way, but if he does, well, I want to live up to that. I like it. Amen. The stupidity, the spiritual stupidity of people who say we who believe and preach and practice that you've got to leave the world and all that it represents and stands for and you don't want its taint on you you don't want its look on you you don't want its flavor about you you just you just want to leave it all behind you because you left it when you passed through the cloud and the sea and you don't want to go back there anymore they look at us and say we're in bondage 
They say Egypt is liberty. And the way of the sea and the cloud is bondage. Oh, they sure show their biblical scholarship on that. I'll tell you what bondage is. It's holding a cigarette in your hand unconsciously, not even knowing it's there and reaching for it every few minutes. Can't help yourself. I'll tell you what bondage is. It's not being able to carry on a normal conversation without cussing every three words. I'll tell you what bondage is. It's not being able to control the lust of the flesh. But thanks be to God, when we pass through the cloud and through the sea, we have experienced a liberty in Jesus Christ. He has set us free from this world and the shackles that bound us. Oh, if you're free in Jesus tonight, you ought to praise Him. If you've been set free, you need to give Him praise tonight. Don't feel sorry for me. This is, if this is bondage, I love it. If this is change, give me more of it. Some of you have ever backslidden your back here tonight. You ought to thank God for his mercy. But I want to tell you something. I don't stand before you as one who has never failed. But never in my life have I decided I wanted to go back to Egypt. I like the liberty of the spirit. I like the liberty that came when the name of Jesus Christ was invoked over me in baptism. It means more to me than everything in this world. Clap your hands some more and give him praise. Come on, rejoice in your liberty. Rejoice in your liberty. Hallelujah. You may be seated. When Moses came to that burning bush, and it burned and was not consumed. I won't rehearse the details, but when God finally told him what he wanted him to do, of course he felt inadequate. Explained to the Lord all the reasons why he was incapable of performing the task that he was commissioning him to, commissioning him to do. And the Lord said, well, I don't care if you are slow of speech, I'll send Aaron with you. I've already got it planned. He's on his way to meet you right now. Amen. And he said, as to Israel not believing you, he said, throw your rod down. And he threw his rod down, and it became a serpent. Wow. He said, pick it up. And he picked it up. It became a rod again. 
He said, put your hand in your cloak. He pulled, put it in, pulled it out, and it was white with leprosy. He said, put it in again. He, he did the same, and it was, it was whole. The message from God to Moses was, son, if you'll just go preach my message, my power will be with you. You don't have to be all wrapped up in all this inadequacies. All you got to do is preach my gospel. Don't preach your ideas. Don't preach men's philosophies. Preach my message of deliverance in Egypt. And my power will work with you. You don't have to have a degree. And you don't have to be debonair. And you don't have to be a theologian. I just want you to preach my gospel. You just tell them to get out of Egypt. And you tell them how to get out of Egypt. And if you'll do what I send you to do, I'll turn rods to snakes. I'll turn leprous hands to whole. And, and I'll perform the miraculous to support you as you go about my work. Don't you know that after all of that, when Moses left that burning bush, he felt good? At first he was afraid. But when he marched away from that burning bush, he must have had his shoulders squared. Mm, I can't hardly wait to get down there and preach. Yeah. Right? When I get to preaching, miracles are going to happen. Amen. And so, I'll not take time with the details of the story. Suffice it to say that after many momentous events, Moses found himself in the land of Egypt. There he was. He and Aaron had joined up and they set an appointment up with Pharaoh. That must have been quite a process. But finally, these two old men, Moses 80 and Aaron 83, they got an appointment with Pharaoh. And they said, Pharaoh, God sent us here and uh, he wants you to let the Israelites go. We're going to go out three days from here. And we're going to offer sacrifice to the Lord. I, I, I was not there. The Bible does not describe all of the details. But I must believe that that old Pharaoh smirked at the very thought that these two old men would come shuffling, shuffling into his glamorous palace and tell him that he was to release at least a million and a half slaves that performed all the menial labor of his Egyptian kingdom. He just said, go on, get out here, boys. I don't want to hear any of that nonsense. I don't have time for that nonsense. Moses got a little bit discouraged, but then God talked to him a few days later and said, I want you to go back to see Pharaoh. And when you go back this time... I'm going to work miracles. Just like I told you I would do with the burning bush. And so, on his second visit to Pharaoh, he went there with renewed confidence and assurance. This is going to be exciting. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach my message of deliverance. And when I preach it, God's going to do miracles. They walked in there and said, Pharaoh, God sent us here 
to deliver the Israelites out of bondage. Pharaoh looked at him funny and said, you boys back again? And about that time, Moses said, do it, Aaron. And Aaron flung his rod over on the floor. And it became a snake. Now, you'd think Pharaoh would get all excited. You'd think he'd get nervous. You'd think he'd say, get that snake and you guys out of here together. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But according to the scriptural account, it seems that he was somewhat unimpressed. And that was the day that Moses and Aaron met Jannies and Jambres. Now their names are not mentioned elsewhere in the scripture and they are not given to us in the Old Testament. But Jewish tradition says that Jannies and Jambres were the chief magicians of Pharaoh. And Paul wrote about them over here in 2 Timothy. And he said, now as Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses are just like they withstood Moses. And we're going to talk about how they withstood Moses. Just like they withstood Moses, there are men in this New Testament hour that resist truth. Now, I want to be kind to everybody, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you what they'd have said 30 years ago when I was in a fellowship meeting here in the central San Joaquin Valley. When you had one God preachers like Wendell Myers, Winifred Toole, Elder Bill Garrett, Murray Lane, Lee J. Muncie. My God, right here in the middle, right here in Fresno. They'd get together at fellowship meetings. And they weren't afraid to say a Trinitarian preacher that denounced the one God message was a false prophet. They weren't afraid to say they resist truth and they are not of God. And they'd put a Holy Ghost exclamation mark at the end of it. And obviously, the Apostle Paul, when somebody resisted this New Testament gospel, wasn't afraid to say they are reprobate concerning the faith. They resist truth, just like Jannies and Jambres did with Moses. Are you still here tonight? Do you still believe Acts 2.38? Somebody act like you believe Acts 238. Somebody act like you believe separation from the world. Somebody act like you believe in getting out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Are you going to stay with me for a little while? This is our last go around. Come on. Let's get all of this we can get. You can sit down. Moses didn't, or Pharaoh didn't get excited. He just crooked his finger. 
And here come Jammies and Jambres. And a bunch of their little followers. Come right out there. Said, fellas, look at that. They said nothing to it, Pharaoh. What? And they threw their rods down. And they became serpents. Now, as they withstood Moses, I want you to see how they withstood Moses. They withstood Moses by doing everything they could do just like Moses did. Paul said they did it. There's New Testament men that do it just like Jannies and Jambres did. I'm telling you, there are people in this New Testament hour, this day upon whom the ends of the world have come, that still use the same deceiving methods. All those snakes crawling around on the floor. Now you hear me. I want you to listen to me when I'm screaming and listen to me when I'm talking. All of those snakes crawling around on the floor. I got a feeling after a little while, they got mixed up. You probably couldn't tell one from the other. In fact, how many different ways can a snake look? Oh, maybe you're one of these that don't want to believe it. Maybe you just want to think that, that it was a trick. And they walked, you know, some people try to explain away that miracle by the magicians of Pharaoh and say they walked in there with trained snakes that were rigid and threw them on the floor. Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible said. like snakes you couldn't look at them and tell the difference they were snakes and if you reached down and felt one you wouldn't know whether you was feeling Jenny's snake or Aaron's snake I'm telling you you're going to get off track if all you're going by is what you see and you feel. Don't have as many shouting now. They walk into these Trinitarian charismatic services and say, I feel the presence of the Lord. Feels just like it does at home. Look around, somebody over here is playing the tambourine. Somebody over here is shouting. Somebody over here is clapping their hands. Everybody saying hallelujah and praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it looks the same and it feels the same. And if all you're going by is what you can see and what you can feel, you might end up with them. They had more snakes on the floor than Moses and Aaron did.
I said the false prophets had more snakes on the floor than the men who had the message of deliverance. If all that matters is to you whether you can get a few Holy Ghost goosebumps or you can see somebody get healed. If that's all that matters to you, uh, you're going to end up in the wrong place. You will end up with chatties and jamborees. Let me tell you. You can sit down if you want to. Let me tell you. The only difference between Janis and Jambres and Moses and Aaron was their messies. It all looked the same and it all felt the same. The only difference was what they were preaching. tell you what Chinese and Jambres were preaching. They were preaching, stay in Egypt. And Moses and Aaron were preaching, leave Egypt, leave Egypt, leave Egypt, get out of Egypt. talking tongues, how many people get healed, how many miracles happen, how many snakes get on the floor. I want to know if they say get out of Egypt or stay in Egypt. Because I want to get out of Egypt. I don't want its taint. I don't want its taste. I don't want its look. I don't want its feel. I want to get out of Egypt. Come on, clap your hands. Jesus. They can line them up from here to Blackstone Boulevard and open all their blinded eyes. After it's all done and over with, I want to know, how do you get baptized? Do you have to have the Holy Ghost? How do you get, can you tell me how to get out of Egypt? Get out of Egypt. And to get out, you go through the water, and you go through the cloud, and you don't ever go back. Every miracle that Janis and Jambres performed was for the purpose 
of keeping people in the bondage of Egypt. Oh, they're doing a good work, Brother Keys. They're not doing a good work. I'm telling you, it's time to draw some lines, friend. The men that preached to me and put this message in my heart weren't afraid to draw lines. I'm telling you, if they're performing miracles and gathering converts and saying you don't have to change the way you dress, you don't have to change the way you talk, your lifestyle can still, you can retain your lifestyle, stay in Egypt. You don't have to leave here. You just stay here in Egypt. We'll open blinded eyes right here in Egypt. Come on, you don't have to leave Egypt. We'll talk in tongues right here in Egypt. You don't have to leave Egypt. We'll shout and dance right here in Egypt. I'm telling you, they're not our friends. We're not on the same side. We're not a part of the same thing. If you're infatuated with all of that, you need to let the Holy Ghost shake you tonight. They make him twofold more a child of hell. Oh yeah. Hard to save. Somebody already thinks they're saved and baptized in the Trinitarian doctrine than an old sinner on the street. They're not making our job easier. I'm not against them. I hope some Trinitarian gets baptized in Jesus' name tonight. I'm not against the most any of us that our third generation or fourth generation Pentecost. Our moms and dads were Trinitarian Pentecostal people that got baptized in Jesus' name because some old time Holy Ghost preacher said in Acts 2 and Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, uh, they all got baptized in Jesus' name and there is no other way to get baptized. And they put it right out in front of them saying it's the only way. And our folks and grand folks got to look at it and said, we don't like it at first. But they got to look at it and said, it's right. And went to the water and got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here tonight. Yes. Clap your hands again. You may be seated. To say it's all right to stay in Egypt is a contradiction of purpose. It's a contradiction of the gospel. To say you can get out without passing through the cloud and sea is a scriptural impossibility. Can you imagine? Frustration of Moses. He thought, now God sent me to preach this gospel. The one gospel that'll get folks out of Egypt. And I come down here all hyped and excited. And I go in there and preach deliverance God's way. And all of a sudden, I demonstrate God's power. 
And these dudes come prancing out of royal chambers. And they get more snakes than I got. And they do it with a whole lot more flair. Oh, Moses couldn't even talk good. A lot of people say he stuttered. And here comes glamorous brother Paul. You can choose any last name you want. I'm not talking about Paul in the New Testament. Styled, glitzy, polished. I mean, he had all of the cliches when he flung his rod down. He did it with such grace. And you see, when Israel first heard the message of deliverance from Moses, they believed, but by this time they were confused. He didn't have them all on the side yet. He didn't have them out of bondage. They, they, these guys were mixing them up. Amen. I mean, just rings on every hand. Oh, Moses spent the last 40 years in the desert. Talk about redneck. I mean, when he left Egypt 40 years ago, they, they weren't wearing the same kind of clothes when he got back. He had brogans on with soles that thick. Couldn't talk very good. And here he is. Don't you know it must have been frustrating? You ever felt it, brethren? When they move in there with those bulldozers and cranes across town and put up that beautiful building with all those swinging chandeliers and stained glass windows. Oh, they're so beautiful. And you drive by there and say, Lord, I'm the messenger of deliverance. What are these guys doing it like this for? Yeah. Live in Pharaoh's house. They never had a budget problem. Never had a budget problem. Pharaoh just subsidized them, took care of them, crooked his finger when he needed them. They came out and did their thing, went back in to the table and got fat. Thank God. Thanks be to God. Are you still out there? Clap your hands to me if you are. Can we still have church a little while longer? Thanks be to God. 
Moses did not stop preaching his message of deliverance. And he did not stop demonstrating the power of God. Come on, I'm preaching to some of you guys tonight. You picked your rod up and ran and hit it back in a corner somewhere because we're doing more miracles across town. You're not preaching healing anymore. You're not preaching the power of God. You're not preaching the miraculous. You've been intimidated out of it. Thanks be to God. Moses said, I don't care how many rods they turn into snakes. I don't care how many miracles they perform. I'm going to keep preaching the message of deliverance. I'm going to keep letting the Holy Ghost work. I'm telling you right now, I don't care how many faith healers come to Modesto. I'm still going to preach divine healing and pray for the sick and see them healed. I don't care how many crusades they have and how many talking tongues. I'm going to keep on praying people through to the Holy Ghost. stop there. My God. I feel sorry for Moses. Amen. The next thing God told him to do was to turn the waters to blood. He went out there preaching, come on, get out of Egypt. Whop, turn the water to blood. As soon as he did that, Exodus chapter 7 verse 22, just let me read it to you. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken to them and the Lord as the Lord had said. Every time Moses would preach deliverance and God would work a miracle, the magicians of Pharaoh would come out and say, stay in Egypt and work a miracle. Thanks be to God, Moses didn't quit. He went out and preached again, leave Egypt. And it called, called frogs upon the land. And Janies and Jambres came out and they said, stay in Egypt. And they did so with their enchantments and brought frogs upon the land of Egypt. You'd think by now, Moses, you'd quit. You... You don't know how to deliver a sermon like they do. You, they work their miracles with more finesse. Finesse, it's more attractive to people. People are following them. Uh, and you just keep on preaching and keep on doing your thing. But they keep on preaching and keep on doing their thing. You're saying leave, they're saying stay. Why don't you quit, Moses? Why don't you just give it up? Why don't you quit preaching the power of God? Why don't you give up on revival? Why don't you get the idea out of your head? Why don't you concoct for yourself some self-comforting theory that says if you really preach the message, you're not going to have revival. Right. 
I'm telling you, brethren, if that was ever a man-made doctrine, if there ever was one, that's a man-made doctrine. You hear me? If I've said anything in the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm talking right now in the Holy Ghost. That's a doctrine from the mind of men, if not there, from the depths of hell. I'm telling you, you can preach this gospel like it's supposed to be preached, and you can have revival. Hallelujah. But all thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Now, if you'll stay with me, this will get good here. Does anybody want revival? Does anybody want to see the move of God? I wonder if you really believe you're the children of God. I said, I wonder if you really believe you're the children of God. I wonder if you really believe the only way to be born of God is of water and spirit. I wonder if you believe you have a relationship with God that other people who call themselves Christians in this world do not have. I wonder if you believe you have a place of favor with God that other people who call themselves Christians do not have. I wonder if you really believe that. I'm telling you, you are the children of God. You are born of God. There is nobody in all of this world that God loves like God loves you. You're filled with the Spirit. You bear His name. You declare His gospel. Come on, climb out of your, your place of spiritual inferiority complexes and understand we are the children of God. We are the people that God wants to bless on this earth. I feel like kicking this pulpit over. I'm so mad at the devil right now. There is some devil that's got a bunch of you preachers confused. Your message is not hindering your revival. Your message will bring you revival. Your message will bring you revival like this world has never seen. A one God holiness believing church. Sit down, but stay on the edge of your seat, please. Ah. When we get over here to the plague of lice, the third plague, the fourth miracle, the Lord said unto Moses, saying to Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. He stretched out his rod, his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man, and in beast, and all the dust of the land became lice throughout the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not...
they threw the dust in the air, hoping it'd be lice. And it was just dust that fell back in their eyes. If you'll pardon the pun, it was right there that Moses and Aaron left Jannies and Jambres in the dust. You don't hear about them anymore. They came to the end of the line. I'm telling you, one God, Holy Ghost, filled Jesus' name, uh, separated church. Uh, you keep on preaching that. Keep on believing that. It's not going to be long. We're going to leave them in the dust. you stop now I said don't stop now keep preaching it keep letting the Holy Ghost work clap your hands come on come on come on do you want revival you gotta keep letting the Holy Ghost work you gotta let the power of God keep working It's not time for dead dry church. It's not time for empty altars. It's not time for, for lack of evangelism. It's time for power. It's time for glory. It's time for miracles. It's time for faith. It's time to preach. It's time to keep on doing what God sent us to do. I know I've been preaching a long time. I'm trying to hurry. My, 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 I'd like us to leave out of here in a cloud of glory. I'd like us to march out of here with faith bubbling in our heart. I'd like for us to walk out of here with assurance that our message is right. We're doing the right thing. Just keep on doing it. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. I'll contend with you from now to the rising of the sun. If you want to say God's going to anoint the false prophet more than he's going to anoint the messenger of deliverance whom he has sent. I refuse to believe it. I will not believe it. I will not believe that God will give greater power to the false prophet than he gives to he who preaches this message of truth. problem with us is we measure everything in one little segment of time. Let me tell you something. History's on our side. I said history's on our side. The greatest revivals this world has ever seen was entrusted in the hands of one God, Jesus' name, holiness preaching men. The greatest revivals this world has ever seen. Read it in the book of Acts. Read it in Ephesus. Read it in Jerusalem. They were Trinitarian preachers. I tell you, you're losing out if you run off with them. If you get infatuated with Jannies and Jambres, you're missing the boat. 
I know it may be an old rough shod Aaron or Moses. He may not always use English right, but he preaches a message of deliverance every time he gets up and gets a chance. I tell you, stick with him. Stick with him. I'm telling you, stick with him. Stick with him. We're going to leave him in the dust. Not only history is on our side, the future is on our side. Why do you think God's going to do it different now than he did it then? Past is on our side. The future's on our side. We are the messengers of deliverance. If you don't believe that, you need to go back and get back in the second book of Acts. Second chapter. If you got questions about that, you need, you need to get a brand new conviction. We are the messengers of deliverance. We are God sent people to this world. You need a revelation of who you are. Don't you stop now. We're not finished having church. Two or three more little points right here. Those Philistines carried the Ark of the Covenant in there before that idol Dagon. Inside that Ark of the Covenant was the rod which represented the power and the glory and the might of God. Every time a miracle was performed, it was the rod. The rod stretched out over the waters of the Red Sea. The rod turned into snake. The rod that brought water out of the water. The rod that budded in It was the miracle rod. It's the power of God. Tablets of stone were in that Ark of the Covenant. Truth and spirit. The message and the power. They carried it in and put it in front of that idol. You want to know what happened? When there is a confrontation between God's way and idolatry, the idol will fall on its face. When there is a confrontation between God's way and false religion, God's way will prevail. You mark it down. They're already beginning to fall like flies. I'm telling you, the one God church is about to emerge. I'm telling you, Jesus' name believers are about to come to the forefront. Come on, preacher. Come on, get faith in your heart. Come out of your corner. We may not have as much flair and we may not have as much style. But I'll tell you what we do have. We do have the message. You can put the prophet on top of Mount Car- Carmel and the God sent prophet will win every time. You're not on the wrong side, friend. You're on the winning team. Stay where you are. Dig your heels in. Love this message. Keep letting the Holy Ghost move. Clap your hands again. Come on now.
One last verse, Matthew 5, verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light unto all that are in the house. If you want to believe God's taking a few little old people and shoving them off in a corner somewhere and hiding them from the world and they're never going to know until we're gone, you don't understand. My God is wiser than man. And he said, men don't light a candle and put it under a bushel. He didn't like the flame of the one God, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost filled, separated church to put it under a bushel. He's going to put it on a hill for the whole world to see. He did in the beginning and he's going to do it in the end. My God, I don't know what to do. I feel so much Holy Ghost here. And I've preached so long. Dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God. I wish somehow I could spark a little bit of faith in some preacher's heart. I'm telling you, preacher, don't worry about it if you don't understand the latest styles and you can't wear the latest suits. Don't worry about it if your building is not the fanciest in town. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You keep it clean and you keep living right and you keep preaching this message. Don't you compromise. Don't you let up one inch. Don't you back down for one second. You keep preaching it. You keep preaching it. You keep letting the Holy Ghost move. I'll tell you before it's all over with, you'll have what you want. God will lift you as a city set on a hill. Come on, preacher. Come out of your corner. Come on, church. Clap your hands. Everybody stand. Come on. It's revival time. It's revival time for the one God church. It's revival time for the holiness believing church. Sing it, sister. Who Egypt was once my home, now was a slave. Oh, 